In the book of Ephesians, Paul wrote a letter to explain who we are and who we are, who we are, and what we have in Christ. At the time in history that Paul wrote this, Christians were on the run. Christians were on the run. Christians were on the run. They had no rights and they were in great danger. Paul actually wrote this letter while on house arrest in Rome. And despite the circumstances, Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus describing the fullness and richness of life in Christ. Paul knew that if the Ephesians understood who they were and began to live in Christ, the world would never be the same. The same can be true for today. If we understand what it means to live in Christ, if we understand what it means to live in Christ, if we understood what it meant to live in Christ, if we understand what it means to live in Christ, to be the church, our city and our world would never be the same. Never be the same. Would never be the same. Would never be the same. Would never be the same. morning. Good morning to each of you. Good morning to each of you that are joining us on Facebook Live this morning. Oftentimes in our worship services, we have community leaders stop by, and we're always grateful when they do. We appreciate that. <clears throat> this morning, we have with us um, Mr. DeMont Davis. Uh, DeMont is running for the uh, uh, commissioner, District 4, Clayton County Commissioner, and he is here today, and we certainly welcome him as a part of Mount Zion Baptist church. So thank you, sir. God bless. Okay, take your Bibles. Let's turn to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Today we're going to focus on 13, 14, 15, and 16. But to do that, I want us to set the stage just a little bit. We've, we've learned by now and should have memorized by now that the book of Ephesians is six chapters, 155 verses, written by the Apostle Paul while he was in prison to the church at Ephesus for the reason and the purpose of encouraging them to contend for the faith, to walk through the faith, but also to be light and people who reconcile others to faith, and then ultimately how to stand in the middle of a battle as we get over on into Ephesians 6, where he will teach us about spiritual warfare. This is kind of how the next weeks are going to come here at church. Uh, for, the, for the month, rest of June, the month of July, I'm going to preach on the book of Ephesians all the way up to spiritual warfare. Um, then we're going to take a time out on the book of Ephesians in the month of August. Um, Pastor Russell, Tyler, John, maybe one or two others in there are going to preach those weeks on the importance of body, church life in the body. Um, life groups, how to come together as the big church coming together in small groups. And so I'm very excited about that. Then, after the month of August, we'll pick back up in the book of Ephesians, do a mini-series, if you will, on um, spiritual warfare and how to stand firm when we are going up against all manner of things in this day and time. But today... We're in Ephesians chapter 4, so take your Bibles, turn with me, Ephesians 4. I'm going to start reading in verse 7, and I will read until verse 16. He says, But to each one of us, 
grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore he said, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, this he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself, Christ, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the work, for the equipping for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but, speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knitted together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth for the body, for the edifying of itself in love. Can everybody say with me, whoo? Because I know that's right, because I start reading that and I just go, what in the world? What is all of that going on here? Because it's busy. I mean, in fact, I think if I had turned this into Gail to proofread it for me, she'd have said, you need to break this up into other things and make it a little bit clearer so everybody will know what you're talking about. But yet, here it is, in God's Word, in His sovereignty, preserved just as He wanted it for us to read, to understand, to apply to our lives. So we've got to do the work this morning to break it down and understand it. The first thing He told us was in verse 7, that everybody got a gift. Say, I got one. Okay, everybody got a gift. Then he said to the church, he gave some gifts, and he named them as people who had special giftedness, and their task was to be apostles. That was the guys that walked back in the day with Christ. He owned them. He laid the foundations on the prophets. He laid what was coming. Then he says, I want some to be shepherds and teachers. That was pastors. And he said, I want them to instruct. He said, I've got some people that I've gifted to be evangelists. He said, so I gave everybody a gift. I, to the church, I gave some gifts. They were people. They had a purpose. And he said, I did this for a reason. Now, that actually, that reason is verses 13, 14, 15, and 16. And so that's what we're going to try to break down today um, as we are under the mindset of fending off false belief. How do we do it? Why did he give some of us, well, all of us gifts? And why did he give the gift of teachers and apostles to the church? And it was so that we would know the truth. It would be the truth that would set us free. It would be the truth that would allow us to live in this day and time where the scripture says that they are evil. And so we're learning from this through Paul as he's writing from a prison. And I guess the question I want to ask you this morning is every member to minister to the body of Christ? Do you think so? Yes. I want to tell you now, ahead of time, yes is the answer to that question. Everybody is to be a minister. Every member is to be a minister in the body of Christ. It's what we do. That's why we were given the gifts individually. 
And that's why the church was given the gifts of those who could instruct us is so that we would be able to perfect it and become better and more proficient and efficient at what we do. So every member is is gifted. We go back to verse 7. We just read it together. But to each one of us, grace was given. That's the gift. According to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, he will tell us here and in other places, we don't all get the same gift. He will tell us that some of the hand, some of the foot, some of the eye, some of the ear, some of the arm, or, and on and on. And oftentimes in the body of Christ, when we have become the, when we're the foot, what do we wish? We were the hand. Because, man, the hand's got it easy. Well, if I'm the hand, I want to be the ear. And if I'm the ear, I want to be the eye. And if I'm the eye, I want to be the mouth. But what we know from this is that Christ himself, the great general who won the victory, the battle over sin, came to earth. He conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered the grave. He conquered us being separated from God. And when he did all of that, he assembled all the spoils of victory, ascended to heaven, and through the Holy Spirit said, and here's your gift, and here's your gift. So the gift that you have is perfect. Is God fair? Well, yes and no. Yes, God is fair because he is God and he is perfect. But is God fair in that he may have given somebody five gifts, five talents, if you will, some three, some one. And so we may not all get them the same, but what he says, if you will use what I gave you for my glory, I will bless you. And I will magnify it. And I will magnify your influence. And I will magnify your ability to serve me. And your trust in me will grow greater and people will become a follower. So regardless of the gift that you got today, go ahead and say, thank you, Lord. And help me to use it for your glory. Yes, because it's there. He's given it to you. And it is the perfect gift given to you by the perfect God for the perfect moment right now in your life and for this time in history. He knew it. So, yes, every believer is gifted. But now in 11 and 12, we see not only is every believer gifted, but the church has been gifted. And he says this, And he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors, and teachers. And he tells us he did that for the equipping of the saints. Now, when we look at that word equipping, I tend to think of a hand up, a handout, a helping hand. In other words, I don't know how to do this, so I want you to equip me to do it. But in this sense of the word, it's not actually that understanding of it. In this sense of the word, it's what we would find in Matthew 4.21 where it says, when the nets are torn. It's what we would find in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. We desire to supply or equip what is lacking in your faith. So God gave you a gift, but it was not a perfected gift. It was a gift that needed work. It's like you want to set out to run a mile. Well, you don't run the mile the first day. You find out what's lacking. You ran a tenth of a mile. You got nine-tenths left. And so you're equipped now to run the remaining nine-tenths. You begin to work on it until you get there. Well, in your giftedness, in your faith, you have been given the very gift that you need by a perfect God. But that gift needs to be perfected. And therefore, he gave us the foundation of the apostles. 
He gave us the evangelist to tell us that Jesus is the answer. He gave us the pastor shepherd to be the ones who could step into our lives, who could instruct us on the word of God, who could assess what is strong and what is weak in the body, and so organize and so teach so that each one of us become perfected so that we're equipped for good works. So is every member to be a minister? Yes, they are. Is every member gifted? Yes, they are. Has the church been given the gift of those who are in the church to strengthen the church? Yes, it has. What is the purpose? We have already seen it. It's the need for equipping. Because even though you receive that gift, that gift needs growth. That's called discipleship. That actually is the month of August, is that we come together as the whole on Sunday, and we break up into parts at other times so that where we can be, where we will be equipped to be the church. You see, he gave the church apostles, evangelists, teachers, instructors, shepherds, but they're not to be the sum total of the work. In fact, if we are doing our job as the ministry staff here at Mount Zion Baptist Church, we are constantly working ourselves out of a job. Mr. Davis is running for a position here in our county. If he gets that position and he becomes the sum total of that position and he doesn't equip us to be a better community, then he's actually failed at the job. And the same thing is true inside the church. You see, here's a question. Did God instruct us to do church or did God instruct us to be the church? He instructed us to be the church. So what's the difference? You do church on Sunday morning. You show up and when you leave in past tense you said, we did church today. And life is not different for you. Life is not different for anyone else. And life is not different for the people that Acts 1-8 tells us to go instruct. Judea, Samaria, and the outer parts of the earth. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outer parts of the earth. But... When we be the church, instead of do the church, now we recognize that we've each one been gifted for a purpose. We figure out what that purpose is. We develop that purpose because we're sitting under the ones that have been gifted by God. And as they look at us and say, here's your strength, here's your weakness, here's, here's how you can move, and this is how you can serve, and this is where you can be. Man, then you be the church and you begin to own the ministry. We had a wonderful meeting with our women on mission this week talking about being the body of Christ and the body of Christ owning the ministry and, and ministering. And they said, you better hold on because we're ready now. And I'm excited about that because that means that they have recognized a gift. They've recognized a call. And now they say, we want to take that gift and call and we want to be the ones making the difference. Every one of us needs to be in that place because if all you do is show up on Sunday, you're doing church. But if you take who we are when we come together on Sunday and take it into the highways and the hedges on Monday through Saturday, now we're being the church. And we're living in such a way that people see a difference. People see Christ. And the scripture says that they will see our good works. They will glorify our Father who is in heaven. And then they will want to be a part of not only what we do, but who we are. And R is a form of B, right? Yes. Good. Boom. 
my English teacher would be so proud. Who we are. Man, who we are, Paul's already told us. He said, who we are is a united body of believers. Irrespective of where we were born, where we moved from, how much we have or what we don't have or how educated we are or anything like that. He says, you are the body of Christ. You've been reconciled to God. That's what Jesus did. And then in us, he said, I, now I want you to do the hard work of reconciling to each other. And then we be the church. So, yes, is every member a minister? Absolutely. Is every member gifted, believer gifted? Yes, they are. The church has been gifted with people to instruct, to lead, to encourage. The purpose of the equipping, let's keep on reading, because he will, let's go back to verse 12. For the purpose... Of equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Man. You received a gift from God. You got that gift from God to develop. And then once you develop it, once you identify it and begin to use it. You are now to use it to make this person beside you better so this is what i want you to do if you're able to stand this morning i'd like for you to stand and you know the song lean on me when you're not strong and i'll be your friend to help you carry on oh now what are you supposed to do lean Lean on them because they're the body of Christ. They are the cord of three strands that God has given you to help you, to enable you to become, to be the church. God did it. And He did it for you. But listen to me. He did, you can be seated. Thank you. Y'all are amazing. He did not equip you and gift you and develop you for that to be the end. Oh, no, 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 no. That would make you a pond. He made you a river. He equipped you, gifted you, allowed you the grace for that gift to be developed so that you would be a river and you would flow on downstream and pick up people along the way with you. So, yes, we have been. The purpose of it is to carry it forward for the work of service for ministry. Now, Interesting point here, because now he takes us now to the building up of the body of Christ. It's very easy for me to become me-centered here. I got a gift. My gift has been developed. Look at me, I'm living for the Lord. Look at what I did last week at church. But do you see that in all of this, Paul never says it's about you. He said, I did all of this in you to equip you so that you would build up the body. He said, the church, on this I will build my church. The confession that you are the Christ. It's through the church that he speaks. And so, yes, we want you individually to grow and mature and be stronger in the Lord. But if that's where you stop, you didn't make it. You take what God did in you, allow God to do it through you, so that it infects all the other people around you. 
Now, if you have a cold and you come in here next Sunday and you have to cough or sneeze, I would love for you to do this. I don't want those germs. But if you feel like you need to cough or sneeze up Jesus, then what I want you to do is not cover it. I want it just to come all out of you and get all over everybody because we want them to get infected. Okay? That's how it works. He said, let it out, let it flow. It's for the purpose of building up the body. Verse 12 says, building up the body of Christ. The goal of all ministry is to build up all of those around us so that we can reach and affect all the other people. It's not the same as building up individuals. It's part of it. Romans 15, 2, it actually affirms that. It says, we should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. But again, if that would be like if you went to the gym, G-Y-M, and you were going to work out. And every time you went into the gym, you walked over to the rack where they have the barbells, you picked up the barbell, and with your right arm, this is all you did. Never thought about, I have a left arm. Never thought about, I have legs or chest or back muscles. But you just always went into the gym. You would have an awesome looking right arm. But you would look silly. Because you would have a left arm that was underdeveloped. You would have legs that would get lost in your shorts. And it wouldn't work. So when we go to the gym, the purpose is to exercise the whole body. So we let the whole body do work. We let the whole body exercise. So again, when you do church, it's like going to the gym and not exercising. But when we be the church, it's like working out, doing a full body workout. Now this is what we want. We want a buff body of Christ in Mount Zion Baptist Church. I mean, we want summertime body of Christ. We want the kind that puts on the muscle shirts and goes, how are you doing? You know what I'm talking about. That's what we want here at Mount Zion. We don't want one that goes like this and turns around and they go, that's the zipper. You know, because there's nothing there. I mean, that, we don't want that. Man, we want to be buff, not puff. All right? That's it. So here's what he's teaching us. It's not the same as building up an individual. Unity of faith. What does he want us to build to? Go with me to verse 13 now. In verse 13 he says, For the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, and then he says, till, until. In other words, we are to take that gift that we got at salvation, that spiritual gift. We need to develop it. We need to submit it to the authority of the church under the umbrella of the institution that God himself set up. And then under the authority of the church, we're to work on, take that gift that has been developed and work until something happens. 
And this is what he says, I want you to work until this happens. Till we all come to the unity of the faith. Now these are bad words today. Because we live in the me society, the individual society, the if it works for you, it's okay society. And there's no absolute right and no absolute wrong that everybody can be what everybody wants to be. And that's not exactly what Jesus just said. He said, I want you to have unity in faith. Now, unity in faith is the recognition there's one Lord, one God, one baptism, one salvation, one body, all of those things, and that God himself has charged us to develop it, to do life together in unity. But he not only says that, he says Unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God. (laughs) This confirms that Paul wants to stress the building of a body as a whole. He wants us to take it, to build it. The key word today is diversity, not unity, especially when it comes to claims to know anything about the Son of God. But Paul says, I want you to wrestle. That's why I love verses like cord of three strands, not easily broken. It's why I love verses like as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Paul did not say, I want uniformity. He said, you, the individuals that I've gifted, he said, I want you to have unity. So do you understand what that means there? That means that regardless of my education level, I need to come together and be united. Regardless of my political persuasion, we need to come together and we need to work it out. Regardless of my social understanding or whatever it is, we work together. And it's not going to always be easy. Because I may bring one opinion to the table and you bring another opinion to the table. But yet God says, this is what I want you to do. That wasn't a suggestion from him. He says, I want you to work until. He didn't say, I want you to bully until everybody agrees. He didn't say, I want you to be a wimp and not have an opinion. He said, no, come together and work on it. Till there's unity of faith. Until there's unity of knowledge. And then he said this. Look. Because he's going to clarify it for us. Of the Son of God to a perfect man. In other words, to the Son of God as the perfect man. I want you to work until you're so much like Jesus that when people see you, they go, I wonder. If that's maybe what Christ is like. He didn't say for you to become Christ. There's only one of those. But he did tell you to become like him. To the perfect man. So you sit down at the table. You sit down as the body of Christ. You work through it. You make room for other thoughts. Other opinions. Other ideas. And then you take this word as your guide. And if what you throw on the table does not fit this word, you got to throw what you brought to the table off. Because this is the guide. He says, I want you to work until there's unity of faith. This Bible tells us the only way to have faith, right? 
In fact, it says there is no other way than the way this book teaches it. And then this book begins to teach us how to live out life. So we come together in small groups, discipleship groups. We come together in conversations. And when we say, I think, you think, we think, then the first question we got to ask is, what does Jesus think? And work through it. He says, because I want you to, um, the building up of the body of Christ, it's not the same as building up the individuals. It's a unity of faith and a unity of knowledge. And he wants us to have the standard of faith and knowledge to be Jesus himself, the perfect man. A mature man. In fact, in other places it will say that Christ is the head and that we are the body. The head, Christ. So in other words, we've got a perfect head. So in other words, if it was a headshot, it'd be like ooh la la. But if it's a headshot with the body, it'd be like, whew, you need to go to the gym. That's why he says go to the gym as a body, work out, so that the body complements the head. So that the body reflects the goodness, the godliness, the maturity of Christ himself. Ladies and gentlemen, you will not get that apart from the word of God. You will not get that apart from surrender and submission. You will not get that apart from interacting with the body of faith. If, if you give Jesus one hour and you give the world 167 hours, because there's a 27 times 4, how many hours in a week? 27 times 4 is 8, carry you 2, 148, does that sound right? Somebody tell me what the answer is because I can't do math and talk to y'all at the same time. How many hours are in a week? So what's 24 times 7? 168. Was I all right the first time? Okay, boom, thank you. Ever how many hours is, if you give Jesus one of them and give the world the rest of them, then you're never going to be mature and you're going to be unfulfilled and immature as a follower of Christ. He says, daily seek me, seek first the kingdom of God. Give us this day our daily bread. He teaches us to do that. He says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some. In other words, church, you've got to come together. And you've got to come together consistently. Because remember, we're a body. And if we're a body, we've got to work out. If you go to the gym once or twice a year, January fitness, it's not going to work. You have to go to the gym consistently. He's telling you, I want you to go work out your faith on a routine and regular basis. He says, and I want you to do it until you look like Christ. So what's the goal of Mount Zion Baptist Church? Our ministry. No, let's don't say that. Let's say your ministry. What is the goal of Mount Zion Baptist Church, your ministry, with the grace and the gifts that we have received? It is to become a body of Christ that is unified in faith, unified in knowledge, and that grows more and more into the kind of unified person that Christ is. You see, we're a body. That means that there are many members, but we are one body. Twice since I've been preaching to you, this foot wanted to go left and this foot wanted to go right. And it would not happen because it was a body. The dominant foot won every time. We've got to learn to move as a body. Not uniformity, but unity, standing up, being. The aim of the ministry is not just that individuals are built up, but the body is built up.
to take on the personality of Christ, to influence this community, to recognize that Jesus is the way, and to submit, surrender their lives to Him. This week, my mom had a stroke. My mom is in the hospital this morning. The stroke that my mom had did not affect her physically. In other words, if you looked at my mom, you would not know that she had a stroke. It affected her vision, and it affected her mental capacity. So that literally right now, my mom is in delirium. My mother does not know where she is. She knows who's in the room, but she doesn't know where she is, and she doesn't understand what's going on. The doctor thinks that some of that may correct itself. But when I was a child, my mother nurtured me and pushed me and developed me so that there would become a day that I would not need to depend on her. But I would be able to stand and function and be an adult in society. Now, my mother is at the stage where she will have to reap the benefit of her investment. Now, my sister and her husband and Gail and I are going to have to take care of Mama. So she built us up so that we would become strong and could live. And now it's our turn to give back to her. In the body of Christ, we stand on the shoulders of people who sacrifice physically, financially, and in a whole lot of ways. And if all we do is say, look what they did for us, and we don't look back and say, now what is our responsibility to those who come after us, then we are being very immature and selfish people. It is time for us to understand that we have an investment that has been made into us. And now we've got to invest in others. Paul said to us, Throughout this book, he said that you have been blessed, you have been prayed for, that your eyes would be open, that you would be strong, you have been reconciled to God and to each other, and you have been gifted. Now, take it, develop it, go out into the streets and live it. So that others can see the wonder and the work of God. Anything less is poor stewardship at best. Irresponsible, certainly. But I really do believe it's sin. So Father, forgive us. For hoarding. Father, forgive us for not availing ourselves of what's been given to us and then giving it to other people. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We thank you that we have been uniquely gifted through Christ. We thank you that we have the opportunity to be developed through this church. We thank you that we have your perfect word to serve as a guide. 